everyone. Welcome to Rainmakers Roundup. I'm your host, Mark Iorio, and I have the pleasure of uh, interviewing Roger DeRose today. Roger is the president and CEO of the Kessler Foundation uh, up in North Jersey in East Hanover. Welcome, Roger. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Appreciate it very it's, much. It's an honor to have you. It really Thank is. You. It really Thank is. You. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the Kessler Foundation, Roger, and, uh, and what you do and uh, Dispel some of the thoughts or the myths that people have about uh, what what's going on there in terms of research and sure. how great yeah. the uh, work is. Well, um, Kessler Foundation has a 35-year history now. We started in, uh, film is 36 years now. We started in 85. Uh, and it was started in the honor of Dr. Henry Kessler, who started the Kessler Institute. Yeah. And you know, when you think, Mark, uh, Henry Kessler, uh, he was one of the pioneers in the whole field of medical rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And he was interesting because he was an orthopedic surgeon mm -hmm. by background. So he was an MD, but back then he also had a PhD as well. So he was what uh, some call a mudfoot, an MD, PhD, right. and, uh, which is very unique. Yeah, you know? it is. But he always believed that, uh, you know, even as an orthopedic surgeon, that he wrote a book called The Knife Is Not Enough, and he always believed that you had to rehabilitate the yeah. entire person, sure. which included not only the person's ability to regain function in terms of mobility or cognitive-related issues, but also in terms of reintegrating the individual back into the community, into the family, into yep. society. Yeah. So uh, that, that's how, you know, Kessler Institute, Kessler Foundation started. Mm -hmm. So happens that uh, the foundation owned the assets of Kessler Institute, the hospital. Okay. And in 2004, they uh, did a hospital conversion. Mm -hmm. They sold it to a great uh, for-profit organization called Select Medical sure. Corporation yep. in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And they are one of the, you know, one of the premier medical rehabilitation uh, uh, hospital care uh, uh, managed organizations throughout the country. Right, sure. And they have about 30 different locations throughout the country mm -hmm. and partnering with some of the, the best hospitals that want to build and turn over the medical rehabilitation to an expert uh, right. group. Sure. And uh, so we sold it then, and um, even though we sold it and came into uh, an endowment of funds that we use to fund our organization today, um, we have a very, very close working relationship with Kessler Institute. And I think that's one of the things as we talk here today makes us so different compared to other organizations that we quote unquote, compete with. Right. Yeah. But our mission uh, is really twofold. Uh, we have a mission of research to carry out the work of Dr. Kessler. Yeah. And our focus is brain and spinal cord injury, stroke, multiple sclerosis, and some other neuromuscular conditions as well. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of our mission, I know you were kind enough to have Elaine Katz on one of your shows, oh, yeah, sure. and Elaine runs our grant making side. Right. And that really came out of that uh, that dream, if you will, that Dr. Kessler had, which was how do you 
ensure that you give the individual who has a disability the access to go back into the community, family, and workplace. Right. And that's what we've been doing with our funds there as a grant maker, yeah. is to create employment opportunities for people with disabilities. Yeah. Which we, we all know, Roger, is, is really critical. I mean, yeah. it really is. And, and Elaine and I had that conversation in the past where you, you look at uh, all the DE&I work that's going on out there, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a lot of times uh, people with physical disabilities are kind of overlooked and, and not um, brought into the, into the fold in, in, in a, an organization. And, and that has to change, and I think over the course of time, we're, just, we're starting to have dialogue about that, and that is changing. It is, and it's not just physical disabilities, it's the hidden disabilities as well. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, when yeah. you think of the American with Disabilities Act, it includes so many, a, a wide umbrella of uh, different types of disabilities, including, you know, Crohn's and colitis, and diabetes, and uh, heart conditions, and cancer, and yep. so forth. So, you know, we're, we're really talking about how do we engage this 60 million population that we have here, just in the United States, a billion worldwide. Yeah. How do you engage their talent right. in a way that makes them feel that they're connected to the mission of an organization. Couldn't agree more. Right. I want you to talk a little bit about the research that's going on uh, with, with the foundation, some of the monies that uh, you raise with, with the foundation, and some of the incredible work that uh, your clinicians and, and research doctors are doing right now. Well, we're, we're very fortunate to have uh, just a great research team led by Dr. John DeLuca. Yeah. And uh, we're, you know, one of the, the I think, uh, great uh, platforms that we have as an organization is that we're able to hire and, and retain really high qualified individuals. We have very low turnover. And I think that makes a world of difference, Mark, when you, when you talk about not having a turnstile on the front of your, right. of your entrance, yeah. uh, that you can retain this great talent. And so, uh, you know, we, we lead uh, in the area of brain and spinal cord injury, stroke, and MS. And the great thing that's so unique about our research is that we, we call it um, translational research. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with humans. Right, We're not sure. dealing with animals. Absolutely. A lot of our learning comes from animals mm -hmm. in past research studies that have been done in cognition as well as in mobility. But we're dealing with humans. And so the research that our scientists are doing uh, is never complete until not only publishing it and presenting it at world conferences, but then getting it into clinical care at Kessler Institute. And that's one of the great seamless transitions that takes place between our two organizations, yeah, even yeah. though we're separate, right. is that many of our patients that come into our research studies, our research subjects, yeah. come from Kessler Institute. You, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Roger, that you know, you've got a very low turnover, and at, at, at the foundation, you have quite a culture. There's, there's a, a wonderful culture there of people that are helping humanity. How do you do that? How do you go about, as a leader of the organization, uh, developing a culture where people feel like they're part of something bigger, so something larger? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. And, you know, it, it's not about me. It's certainly about the leaders that we sure, have sure. in the organization. And, and really, you know, if you hire the right people, you can have a force multiplying effect. 
across Absolutely. the organization, yeah, right? So, yes, sir. And so when you have a great management team and great directors, and they're following uh, the mission of the organization where you're helping people every yep. day, and you can see the translation of that in the work you do, Absolutely. it makes a world of difference. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I came out of consumer goods and I loved consumer goods and everything I learned about it. I loved the work that we did in the, the uh, consulting and technology area of Arthur Anderson. Sure. But there's something magical when you can see the end result of your work, helping a person walk again, yeah. uh, be able to create um, uh, the ability to, to speak clearly and think clearly, mm -hmm. uh, to regain a function that they lost during an injury or an illness, yeah. and be able to have that life again yeah. with their family and friends and community. It's got to be incredibly gratifying it for is. someone like you, Roger. It, you, you talk about your, your past experience. You, you worked at uh, SC Johnson for a number right. of years. A great organization, it great is. brand, lot, lot of, of great learning. You probably started out as a product, ma a product manager way back when, right? And, and then you went to Arthur Anderson. So you had 30 years of, of private industry experience. How did that prep you for the world of the nonprofit? And, and what drove you to to working or going to work for a nonprofit? Well, you know, the disciplines that you become an expert in certainly help you in terms of your bag of experience, you know, when yeah. you get into the nonprofit field. I think one of the most uh, challenging areas for individuals that come from for profit and make that transition to nonprofit mm -hmm. is that typically nonprofit moves at a slower speed than for-profit where you know you have to spin on a dime yeah, right yeah. and uh, and make things happen um, and the the market and the competition won't wait so that that's one of the areas that i think many individuals that come for, from for-profit have to adjust to mm -hmm. but for me you know the the area that um, really influenced my decision to move into nonprofit after 30 years of for-profit was a couple of things. S.C. Johnson and Arthur Anderson were great organizations in terms of asking their leaders to engage in the community. And not just leaders, everyone across the organization to be a voice in the community. Yeah. And that really helped, I think, shape my experiences in terms of the work that I did in the arts and in health and human services and other areas within the community. Yeah. And when, um, when uh, I retired in 2001 from Arthur Anderson, it was just before the Enron issue had happened, which good, was good very, timing. very unfortunate. Yeah. And um, uh, that also coincided just months later with 9-11. It really makes you step back sure does. as a person, yeah. really in self-assess in terms of what you want to do for the remaining parts of your, yep. your career. And that's when I really decided that I wanted to make that transition yeah. into nonprofit and do something that had uh, a meaningful impact uh, in, in some way using the skill sets that I had. You, you touched on uh, something earlier where, where you said that, uh, you, you know, it's really gratifying when you watch people who uh, have you come into maybe the Institute, um, uh, not part of the foundation, but, but see them begin to walk or talk. What is that passion that's driving you uh, every day when you when you climb out of bed in the morning and you hit 
hit the floor, your feet hit the floor. Um, what is it that drives Roger DeRose? Well, you know, I, I, I think, uh, Mark, when you see the, the end benefit of the work that we do, it's not hard to get out of bed. Mm. You know, yeah, it, it really isn't. Yeah. It, it's something that, you know, you, you don't even recognize the distance between your home and where your office is. You just get up, you go, and you're a part of the fabric of that organization yeah. because, um, you know, as a leader, you want everyone to feel that same commitment that you have when you're there as well. True. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what drives me. And having known individuals that have had disabilities from my past experience, mm -hmm. that leads you to kind of think back on what they went through in yeah. their life and the challenges that they had and how different it is today with technology with the fact that we're more of an accepting society now yep. to disabilities yep. and the growing number that we have in our country because everyone at some point if you live long enough mark we'll all have a disability yeah, you know we'll point. all need a kessler institute yeah. in our life as a medical rehabilitation center yeah. And so uh, that's what drives me, wow. is the end benefit of the work that we do. So proud of the work you do, Roger. It's, it's amazing. Uh, we're going to have you. to take a quick commercial okay. break. When we come back, we'll talk to Roger DeRose, the president and CEO of the Kessler Foundation, right after a message from our sponsors. Don't go away. So, I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello? That's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. Welcome back to Rainmakers Roundup. I'm your host, Mark Iorio. This is Roger DeRose. Um, Roger is the president and CEO of the Kessler Foundation. Um, I've been doing this for four and a half years, and I will tell you that this is, uh, this is one of my favorite interviews. Uh, I am impressed with you and your organization. Oh, thank you, Mark. And your background, Roger. And uh, I'm, I'm just uh, thrilled beyond measure to have you here on the show. It's, thank you. it's great. You're welcome. Thank you. You're very humble. Um, you talk a little bit about the, the research and the technology and uh, what Dr. Kessler stood for when he founded the Kessler Institute way back when. Talk a little bit about what's going on from a technological standpoint because I, I think people are, are really intrigued with uh, the viewing audience is going to really be interested in what's going on in terms sure. of research. 
You, you know, uh, Mark, I would tell you that our, over the last decade, mm -hmm. uh, our research team, and luckily we have a great board that is just so understanding yeah. in terms of making purposeful investments, right? Sure. And not everything has a return on investment in research, as you probably know. It Absolutely. takes a long time, and sometimes you just never get it back. It's yeah. all about the mission, right? And right. Especially in a nonprofit organization. Always. But, you know, I, I would tell you that the major areas that we've invested in that have had a huge payoff, as I call them moonshots, uh, would be number one, when in, back in 2011 we made an investment in robotics and now we are one of the leaders in robotics that are helping people walk again, whether they have spinal cord injury, mm -hmm. learning to rewalk as uh, uh, an individual that had a stroke, an individual that has multiple sclerosis, or an individual with brain injury that mm -hmm. lost uh, mobility. So we have become a leader where the manufacturers come to us and ask us, will you help us with the FDA testing and the collection of safety data on our device before we take it to the market? Yeah. Uh, the other major investment that we made in 2013 to really uh, stand out as a medical rehabilitation research organization was creating the Rocco Ortenzio Neuroimaging Center. And we are the only medical rehabilitation research center in the country that has a dedicated neuroimaging center for our scientists, for our researchers, not for clinicians, for our researchers to come in and do their MRIs, their yep. functional MRIs um, on brain injury subjects that they're working with, mm -hmm. on spinal cord injury subjects, and also in other areas that we work on as well. So this, this gives the researchers uh, the freedom to have access to MRI to really understand what's happened pre-post the research that we're doing. Sure. So we'll do a scan before we do the research, do the, the interventions, mm -hmm. and then do post-MRIs to find out what functional gains actually took place, wow. right? Fantastic. So that was the second major investment that the board allowed us to make. Yeah. And the third just happened in 2020 and it happened just before COVID, yeah. and that was the creation of a Center for Spinal Stimulation. Wow. And I'll tell you, the Center for Spinal Stimulation is breakthrough. We're the second in the country following the University of Louisville to create a center dedicated to spinal stimulation. And what we're able to do there, Mark, is with a spinal cord injured subject, mm -hmm. reconnect brain intention or brain control with the healthy neurons that are still active below the level of injury of a spinal cord wow. break, right? And help to make that communication so that when the patient says stand or move your foot or move your toe or move your knee or walk, uh, that they have the ability to follow the command. Yeah. Whereas without that stimulation, uh, they can think about it but it doesn't reconnect yeah, to the healthy sure. neurons below. Yeah. And so we're doing transcutaneous stimulation and epidural stimulation, which we'll be doing our first implant this year in 2021. Wow, right. wow that's amazing. Yeah. That, that is incredible research, and, yeah. and it's something you have to be incredibly proud of. We right? are. Yeah. We are as an organization. I, I want you to think back to uh, you know, your years at, at, at Kessler, right? The almost 14 now. Almost. And uh, think about those proud moments uh, for a moment. 
and, and tell me the things that you're, besides these moonshots that you're talking about, which is incredible. And, and you have to have uh, a board that is really engaged, staff that's really engaged, researchers that are really engaged in the mission and values that uh, the Kessler Foundation has. And as a leader, you, you do some unique things. I want you to talk about that a little bit because you told me the other day that you, you, you're a walk-around leader. And I want you to talk about that a little bit, but talk to us about the proud uh, moments that uh, you can think back over, uh, on over the last 14 years. Well, it, it, you know, I would tell you that on the research side, it's, you know, when I, when I saw a spinal cord patient take their first steps in a robot yeah. after not walking for 15 years post-injury, yeah. Um, it was remarkable. Uh, one of the family members was with the, the, the patient that was in the robot, and they, they broke down. Yeah, because, of course. You know, the, one of the things that you're told if you have a spinal cord injury is you'll never walk again. Course, so this yeah. is something that you have to get used to in your new life. Mm -hmm. And for a spinal cord patient to be able to walk again, whether it's in a robot or it's going to come from some of the breakthroughs that are happening in our spinal stimulation center. Yeah. It's remarkable to see. To see a, a stroke patient who uh, had a right brain stroke and has something that we call spatial neglect, where they lose, they have the absence of leftness, so that they only see the right side of their life before oh, them. Yeah. And to have a, a uh, a procedure that we developed at Kessler Foundation called spatial neglect, uh, spatial neglect uh, uh, treatment. Sure. Uh, and to put them through 10 to 12 of these treatments and to be able to regain the visual context that they had, that they had lost during the, the stroke, is remarkable because they can drive again. They yeah. can go home and have independence and cook again without burning themselves as yeah, they reach sure, for sure. a pot. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the things that I think make you very, very proud, or to see individuals through the employment initiatives that we do through our grant making go back into go the back workforce into the and yeah. rebuild their career, earn a paycheck, yeah. pay taxes, you know, uh, be someone that when you go to a party and they tell you, well, after you introduce yourself, well, what do you do for a living? Right. And you're able to say, well, you know, I'm a technician in a medical research lab, yeah. right? Yeah. That, those are proud moments. They really are. They are. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about your, your style, your leadership style, and uh, how you engage people within the community and, and uh, the, at, the, at the foundation. Well, well I'm, a, I'm a big believer in communicating, yeah. and whether that's on a one-on-one -on -one basis or on a group basis, you know, I, I believe that, you know, those messages have to be consistent. Um, I, I try to carve out, if I'm not in meetings all day, I try to carve out an hour a day to walk around and talk to as many people as I can, because yeah. it's amazing what you can find out. <laughs> when you manage by walking around. Right, exactly. It really is. I'll, I'll come back and I'll, I'll say, you know what I learned today? And somebody will say, how did you find that out? Right. And you're not supposed to know that, right? right. Well, you, you learn these things as you start to walk about and talk to people, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you create your cafeteria break area, break area in the center of the office complex so that people have to come together, right? right? Exactly. And yeah. when you go to get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, that you're forced to have that conversation, right? Yeah. 
And the other thing that I love to do is have focus groups with our employees below the manager level because, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, you, people can manage upward brilliantly oh, sure. sometimes, sure. but you, you can never fool the people below you, you know? Never. And, uh, and so I, I try to have focus groups so that I can really get a kind of a, a temperature reading yeah. on what's going on in the organization. And if I can influence a change, maybe, you know, there are times you can't, you yeah. can't do everything. Yeah. But if you can influence the change, I think that it's a, it's a great way to let people know that you're listening, you're observing, and you're all about trying to bring change to the organization. And, and I think a lot of times too, Roger, you, you're helping the, the, the people that are employed there to feel like they're part of a larger family, right? They're right. engaged in the work, the everyday work they do. Oftentimes, as CEOs of organizations, we're, we're looked at as uh, somewhat unapproachable. You and I have the kind of personality that engages people to make sure that they know that they're important, no matter if they're you know, mopping the floor or in the, the C-suite you know, somewhere next to you. So those things are critical. And, and you know, we learn those uh, as, as we're growing up and, and going through uh, our careers. What points did, do you feel like you, you learned those things? I mean, in terms of, you know, your education or your parents or, you know, your, um, uh, your years at SC Johnson or whatever, the, sure. the, the things that you learned over the course of time? Well, for me, you know, I, I was so fortunate to have uh, great parents, uh, a, a father that, I, I lost my mother and father in October uh, of 2020. I lost my dad oh, and in December, I lost my mother, but they were 95 and 96, and they were just them. great people. My dad, them. you know, uh, in terms of his um, integrity, he would always say, uh, it's uh, not what you do in public, it's what you do. It, it, it's, it's not when people are looking, it's what you do when people are not, not looking, looking, that really yeah. counts, right? And then just uh, his hard work ethic as well. Um, for my mom, it was uh, just her tenacity, but just her, her uh, her kindness, her real kindness towards yeah. others in terms of sharing. Uh, you know, in, in management, it was probably two people. I, I often tell folks that when you go through your work career, there will probably be a handful of people that you can count on that really influenced you. And for me, they were, there were two. One was the president of SC Johnson, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dick Carpenter. And from him, you know, while he was a visionary, yeah. He was a people person. He yeah. was the kind of person that walked the floor. He was the guy that would walk the manufacturing plant. He was the guy that would do focus groups mm -hmm. to really figure out what's going on in the organization. Right. What's that temperature, yeah. right? Yeah. And then from a, a marketing genius, a gentleman by the name of Barry Harris, who I worked for in England, in Canada, and in the U.S. Wow. Just a marketing genius who brought us into the personal care arena mm -hmm. at SC Johnson. Um, you know, the discipline that I had in, in marketing and in communications. So I, I would say that those were the individuals that as I look back on my career, family, yep. my, my parents, and then some outstanding leaders that I look back on and say, those are the people that really mattered in terms of what shaped me and how I carry out my day-to-day -day activities as a leader today. When I look back on, uh, on how people have influenced us and, and what, um, you know, what legacy they left behind, and we, we look at the ongoing legacy that 
you know, you're going to leave behind as a result of learning from your mom and dad and, and the folks, uh, Dick Carpenter and the people like that. Um, it, it's now people are going to look back and say, Roger DeRose did that for me. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on our, uh, RVN TV here. Thank you, Roger. Mark. It was an absolute My pleasure. pleasure. Thank My you, pleasure. sir. Thank you so if, much, Mark. You're very welcome. Thank My you. pleasure. Right there, sir, uh, just tell everyone how to get in touch with uh, the foundation and what they can do to help. Yeah, please reach out to us at KesslerFoundation.org. That's KesslerFoundation.org. And our website is uh, filled with information about the work we do in research, as well as in the area of grant making and our, our initiatives in employment for people with disabilities. Great. Roger, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank My you. pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for Rainmakers Roundup. Wonderful episode. Please look up the Kessler Foundation. Uh, Elaine Katz is the uh, grant uh, writer there, grant, uh, head, head of grant writing. Senior VP of Senior Grants VP, and yep. Communications. Uh, reach out. Please donate. Help them. Uh, they're doing wonderful work. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next time on Rainmakers Roundup. Be safe out there. Thank you. Thank you.